0: Wow, what a day so far, man! That's awesome. Wow, I know it's 9:45. All right. <laughs> I think we're okay giving God a little extra time this morning, especially in light of the wonderful celebration we just had. Um, I think I've got my emotions under control enough to be able to teach now too. So that's a very good thing. Some of you, as you walked in this morning, you grabbed the bulletin, and you reached for the sermon insert that normally has the sermon outline, and you looked at it, and you were hoping to see a title or a subject or something, but instead you got something that looks like this. It's a series of 10 blanks inside two quotation marks, and uh, let me tell you why I did that. That's not an accident. That was intentional. Let me tell you why I did that. Because I was afraid that some of you this morning would walk into Great Oaks, get the bulletin, pull out the insert, take a look at the subject for this morning, put it back into the bulletin, go back to your car, and drive home. (laughs) And so I thought, if I could at least keep them here until the service starts, before they look and find out what we're talking about this morning, there's a much better chance of them not leaving. So. And you think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. Um, So so this morning's subject is uh, something that is not popular in the United States of America. All right. Um, In fact, I was talking to my wife, Leanne, last week. I said, hey, Leanne, uh, so I've told you what the subject is for the sermon on Sunday? She goes, no. So then I told her what it was. All right. So she gives me one of these. She goes, At that point, I was fully reassured that everything was going to go great with this message. <laughs> all right, so I want you to pull out, your, uh, sermon out or your sermon sheet here, and let's fill in these blanks. We'll play a little uh, like Will of Fortune here, all right? So we'll see who can get this. You don't have to shout it out. Just see how early you can get it. If you read ahead, then you might very well know what I'm talking about already. All right, so let's uh, start with the last letter. Put in, in the last letter, and uh, let's do the third letter, put B, right, and then uh, the fifth letter put M, and then the sixth letter will put I, okay, so I'll make it easy, if you haven't figured it out, the first letter is S, and the second letter is U, all right, so by now, most of you figure it out, submission, submission, did it just get hot in here, did someone turn up the heat or what, Wow. all right, so we're going to talk about submission, which is not, which is not popular. It's not popular in our culture at all to talk about submission, to practice submission, or to have anything to do with submission. Um, I think that if you were to hold a conference, and and that if you made the theme of the conference submission, I think even the United States government could build a website that could handle all of the registrations you would have for that conference. (laughs) Not many. Not many. all right, so turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and we are going to start in verse 21, Ephesians 5, verse 21, uh, all right, so last week, Pastor Bill taught on Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, and we have two weeks left, this week and next week, in our 10-week series on Ephesians. Ephesians. Um, and so it's coming to an end here very quickly. So we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and we're up now to this passage on submission. Maybe it was a coincidence that Pastor Bill's gone this week on vacation. <laughs> we'll say it's a coincidence. All right. But honestly, as I've been studying it, I've actually found it a very interesting study that I've been doing here for the past couple of weeks on this topic. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 and I'm going to read through chapter 6, verse 9, all right? So that's a lot of reading. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, and so please follow along with me in your Bibles as we read along. Ephesians five twenty-one: Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Uh, Surrendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And that there is no partiality with him. Okay, I want us to go back up to verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's how my translation has it. Some of yours, some of yours who, uh, perhaps if you have the NIV, some of, you, some of yours will make that statement verse into its own full sentence, saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This translation I have, I like more because it, I think it puts it in the right context of the entire passage, especially if we go up to verse 18, it's one full sentence that then leads into verse 21. So let's go back up to verse 18 so that we can kind of get a, a, a bird's eye view here of this verse. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we see as we read it as one full sentence that Paul, as he's writing to the church of Ephesus, Gives them a list here in the sentence. And this is a list of the disciplines people show who are filled by the Holy Spirit. All right? So let's go back up to verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. All right? So then the list starts. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. All right? We can call that encouragement. Encouragement. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, that's worship. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all right, that's thanksgiving. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, all right, so that's submission. All right, so we see here that submission is actually a discipline practiced by those who are filled with the Spirit of God in their life. So let me say at the start here, I don't think it's possible for you or for me or for anybody to, to live a life of submission without the filling of the Holy Spirit in their life. I think that the flesh is too strong, and that the sinful nature is too strong, and that the world is too strong, right? Friends, every day, every day, the world cries out to us, and it says, Don't submit. Don't submit. Whatever you do, don't submit. You'll lose your identity. People will take advantage of you. Dan, don't submit. You gotta take care of number one. You're the only person taking care of yourself. Don't submit. Don't submit. Every day, right? The world cries out to us: take care of number one. Look out for yourself. You'll lose your identity. Right? Every day. So why is that? I think it's for a couple reasons. One, the biggest reason is because the world is filled with sin, right? It's a sin-filled world that has, not re- that has not been regenerated through the Holy Spirit's work in their life, right? As far as the world in general. And then the second reason is because I think as much the world is, is ignorant of what submission really is, right? So this morning, as we talk about submission, I hope for us to get two things out of this. And the first is to understand what a godly view of submission really is. And the second thing is to learn is to learn why we need to practice submission. All right. So let's go back to verse 21. We're going to read it here again. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right. So I want us to all be on the same page and to understand what submission is. All right. So this is submission according to the Webster's dictionary. All right. It is choosing to yield to another's authority great i'm on board with that definition sounds like a good definition to me choosing to yield to another's authority i have a book uh that i've read a few times that i really like it's called the celebration of discipline it's by it's by richard foster talks about the different disciplines of the christian life i really like this book he spends a whole chapter just talking about submission all right and i studied this book a lot getting ready for for the And so this is what he describes submission as. All right, so I want you to listen to this description. The ability to lay down the terrible burden of having to get your own way all the time. The ability to lay down the terrible burden of having to get your own way all the time. Wow. Friends, could you imagine... Could you imagine the freedom that that would bring? Let's face it, friends, there's a lot of us here, all right? And I'm in that line that can sometimes spend a lot of time getting upset, irritated, sometimes even irate. Man, oh, man, I can't believe they did that to me. Oh, I can't believe she charged 25 more cents for that taco, right? (laughs) It could be something small like that, it could be something big, but sometimes we take something, man, and whoo, right? It could be something very small or something very big, but regardless, we can get irritated or very upset about it, right? Because we went an hour way. right? We went an hour away, right? The freedom that submission could bring to us is unbelievable. Don't listen to the world because they won't tell you that, right But this freedom that we could have for submission, can you imagine going through a month of your life and not having to worry about getting upset or irate because you feel like you got slighted or that someone did something wrong to you or trying to figure out how you can manipulate all the situations around you to make sure that you get everything just the way you need it to take care of number one, right? To go through a whole month without doing any of that, wow, that would feel so good. That's the freedom that we can find when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us through submission. Now, because I say it's the Holy Spirit's role filling us up to make submission part of our life, it doesn't excuse us from the responsibility that we have to obey God and to partner with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can work in our life. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. Also, could you imagine all the freedom we could have if we practice submission? Wow, oh, that would be awesome. Um, Now, uh, let me say something else about submission here. To start, submission and obedience are very closely related, right? But obedience uh, is just part of submission. Submission is more than obedience. Submission is the is the attitude behind the act of obedience. All right. So we can be forced to do things, right? We can be forced and told and and controlled to a certain extent and to a certain extent to be able to to have to do things, right? But the submission comes when our attitude is pure and right as we do those things. There's a terrific example of it here that we just read in Ephesians chapter 6. If you go down to verse 5, it says, servants." Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service, service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. That's a perfect example, right? Here's these servants that Paul's talking to. And he's saying, don't just obey, don't just obey. Yes, obey, but don't just obey. Obey with the pure heart as you're serving the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Wow. All right, so that's submission, all right? Let's keep going in the verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So often we read this verse, all right? And this is kind of how we read it. I think it's mostly unintentional. Sometimes it's attention, in, intentional, but this is how we read the verse of lot. It is like this. It goes, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right? We kind of breeze past out of reverence for Christ. We kind of just blow by it a little bit. And we naturally focus our time and efforts and energy onto the submitting one to another because that's where the tension is. That's where the possible controversy is, right? and that's where most of the application is, is in those verses, all right? or I should say in, that, in those words, submitting one to another. And because of that, we oftentimes just kind of breeze past out of reverence for Christ. But when we breeze past out of reverence for Christ, we are breezing past the entire foundation that the discipline of submission is built on. Paul, as he tells the church in Ephesus, he says, out of reverence for Christ, this is what he's telling them. He's saying, don't do it because I tell you to do it. Don't do it because it seems like a good idea. Do it because Jesus Christ himself has given you the ultimate example of submission. So what was that example? We see... That example written out very clearly in Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, even death on a cross. That wraps it up right there, doesn't it? I mean, that describes the ultimate example of submission that is shown to us through Jesus Christ. Here's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in heaven. He submits to the will of his Father, okay? And he comes to sinful earth, all right? So that right there is submission. Jesus leaves perfect heaven and his position in heaven comes to sinful earth, becomes a man. Carries his cross up a mountain. Once up there, evil, sinful, pride-filled, and hate-filled men nail him to the cross to die for our sins. Ultimate act of submission. And in Luke, we actually see Jesus praying before he's taken prisoner and he says to his father he says father please take this from me what i'm about to endure please take this from me from me but not my will your will be done wow so when paul says to the ephesians he says out of reverence for christ he's telling them don't do it because i say to do it Do it because Christ himself set up this model and we as Christ followers are supposed to be as much like Christ as we can. And Christ gave us this beautiful display of submission. There's one other thing that Paul did when he said this. Out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. The second thing Paul is doing is he is telling the church at Ephesus, he says, basically, he says, you are now living by a new standard. And that standard is Jesus Christ. See, this teaching that he has about submission, it is revolutionary. It's revolutionary. Back in the first century in the Roman Empire, the wives, the children, and the slaves were not seen as people. They were seen as property, right? They had little or no value except for only the value that they could help their owner or husband or parent uh, attain, all right? That was their sense of value. They had no value. They weren't considered people. They were considered objects. And now Paul is teaching them to love them, to respect them, to honor them, and to treat them as themselves. Friends, that was revolutionary in this day and age. It just wasn't done. It wasn't heard of. Right? Right? And so Paul is telling them, church at Ephesus, there's a new standard. And because you've asked Christ and you, into your life and you're choosing to follow him, you live by that new standard. And that standard is Jesus Christ. And friends, it's a reminder to us that the moment that we commit our life to following after Jesus and receive his forgiveness and make him our Lord, we accept that new standard. It's a new standard. It's not the standard that the world lives by anymore, right? It's hard to identify the world's standards, Right? What they are, I, I can hardly, I don't even know. It's too confusing to figure out what a standard is anymore. But we got a standard as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's Jesus Christ himself, right? And so as the world cries out to us, no, don't submit, don't submit, don't submit. We don't listen to the world. Because we remember, hey, I got a new standard. That standard is Jesus Christ. Yeah, it may be hard, that's my standard. Submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. Let's keep going. I find it very interesting that after Paul says that, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ, he then goes on and he gives three practical applications of submission. And it's the verses that we read already. He talks about the husband and wife, the marriage relationship. He talks about the child-parent relationship. And he talks about the... Slave and the master relationship, all right? The slave master relationship would equate today to the employee employer, to the employee employer relationship. Some of you are listening to that employee comparison slaves, employees, and you're like, Dan, if you only knew, right? (laughs) Dan, truer words have never been spoken, right? Okay, but Paul. Lists these three primary, fundamental relationships that we have, right? Most of our time, our energy, and our effort are wrapped up in those three relationships. The marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship. This is, of course, if you're married and if you're a parent, but uh, the marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship, and the employee-employer relationship, or the work relationship. Most of our time and energy goes into those relationships, right? And Paul now, he gives these three practical applications of submission in the three relationships that affect us the most, right? Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, or like he doesn't apply it to submitting to the government, the state, even the community at large. Or he doesn't talk about how submission affects our... our, uh, The economy or our finances, nothing like that. He talks about our relationships. Friends, if you don't hear anything I say for the rest of the day, I want you to hear this. If you're sitting here today and you find that you are constantly struggling with relationships that are tumultuous filled with friction and trouble, whether it's a spouse, a child, a parent, a boss. And I'll stretch it out and say, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relatives, whoever, if you find that you are constantly in strain and friction with these relationships, you need to take a long look at your life. And to see if you are putting into practice the discipline of submitting yourself to one another. Because if you look around and you say, man, I live my life and all my, not all or maybe most of them, are constantly in friction and tumultuous and under strain. That's a red flag, friends. That's a sign. Submission is missing from your life. And probably, probably, you find yourself always blaming someone else. It's always someone else's fault. That is the opposite of submission, which is where you find yourself if all of your relationships are in strain. It's friction, you're blaming someone else, it's never your fault. We don't like to hear it. It's the reality. God has wonderful relationships that he wants us to enjoy. But to enjoy them, it takes us practicing the discipline of submission. Not having to get our own way all the time. Taking care of number one all the time. All right i okay, got one more thing here I'm going to say because I think it's important and now I'm going to pray and be dismissed. Some of you may be asking, Dan, when is it okay not to submit? Which I think is a great question. When is it okay not to submit? I think the Bible clearly addresses that question. And this is the answer. When submission becomes destructive, when submission becomes destructive, there are Numerous examples throughout the Bible of God-loving, God-fearing people who for a time refused to submit to their authority. Let me give you some examples. In Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh told the midwives, told, told the Hebrew midwives to kill any of the newborn baby boys that the Israelite women were having, all right, they were to kill him. The midwife said no, all right. Then in Daniel chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar built this beautiful, beautiful golden idol, and he demanded the entire kingdom bow down to it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said no, we won't submit. In the book of 1 Kings, we have Obadiah. He clearly disobeyed Ahab and Jezebel in order to save the lives of God's prophets. Right? They said, or, or he said, nope, not going to obey. Right? In Matthew chapter 5, we have Peter and the apostles who were very clearly told by the spiritual leaders of that day, do not preach in the name of Jesus Christ ever again. They said, sorry, not going to happen. And the reason why is because all of those examples would have been destructive towards somebody or the cause or the church of Christ Jesus. At that point, when our submission becomes destructive, it's time not to submit. All right. Sometimes it's black and white. Sometimes it's very clear in our lives when submission becomes destructive. Maybe an example is the employer who goes up to the employee and says, you know what? I'm going to need you to exaggerate these numbers a little bit, all right? For the sake of the company, to get more money, to make us look good, whatever, right? I'm going to need you to exaggerate these numbers a little bit, right? No, clearly destructive, clearly against God's word, black and white, all right? Or perhaps the adult who approaches the teenager and wants them to participate in something that's illegal. Obviously not. Clearly destructive, clearly against God's word, black and white, very easy to discern. But sometimes it's not so obvious, right? Perhaps the, this, the person whose spouse is constantly at work, trying to climb the corporate ladder, and the family is being greatly denied, right? Wow, that's, that's tougher to discern. Where's the submission come in there, right? It's a, it's a, it's a gray area, right? Or perhaps the employee who, who is constantly being on the wrong end of the boss's favor right keeps getting overlooked for promotions for pay raises uh, and the family needs that that income and the stability to come along with it right it's a gray area right how long do I submit what do I do I don 't know but the Bible tells us what to do very clearly right the bible's answer is depend on the Holy Spirit depend on the Holy Spirit see friends there's no there's no instruction booklet like that. There's, there's no chart. There's no playbook that tells us what to do every situation in life, right? That's intentional, I think, by God. God wants us depending on the Holy Spirit, right? I think sometimes God brings those situations into our life so that we do depend on the Holy Spirit. And we spend time praying, searching, seeking, developing an intimacy with God, right? What do we do in the gray areas? It's not a cop-out answer. I think it's the right answer, depend on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be faithful. He will. There's no reason God wants to withhold a good answer from you. The Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you as you seek Him in those tough situations. All right. I'm going to bring it to a close. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go home. But I want us to remember. The world constantly, every day, friends, it's out there every day. You turn on the radio, the TV, the neighbors, friends, schoolmates, whatever, every day. No, don't submit, don't do it, you'll be sorry. It's a different standard. We live by a different standard. And as we submit to God and begin to put dis- uh, that discipline of submission into our life, I think we'll find a couple of very important things. First is, wow, the freedom, the freedom we will have. Two is we will see our relationships transformed, right? It's not necessarily easy, but as the Holy Spirit fills our life, he empowers us to do that, to practice the discipline of submission. Join with me in prayer, please. Dear God, we thank you for a new day. God, it is a great day. It's a great day because we get to come before your throne and worship the almighty, loving, living God who knows us, cares for us, and who died for us. What a privilege to have a God that has a personal relationship with us. God, it's a great day because we just got to see so many people who have testimonies of their obedience and faith and trust in you. Wow, God, thank you for that. And God, it's a great day because we get to study your word to see how it applies to us, this wonderful message of love that you have given to us to show us how to live our life. God, as we talked about submission today, God, I pray that you will give us discernment in the areas we're uncertain about, give us boldness and strength in the decisions we know we should make. And God, I pray especially that you cause us to to hunger for you and the things of God and the Holy Spirit so that we can experience submission in our life. God, we want our relationships to be uh, improved and to be good. And we want to experience the freedom that comes from not having to get our own way all the time. So God, I pray for your empowerment through your Holy Spirit on each one of us this week, this month, this year. God calls us to live lives of submission that bring honor and glory and praise to the name of Jesus. In the precious, almighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.